I believe strongly that the insides of your brand have to match the outside. So whatever your company stands for, your culture in the building or the room or the um, you know garage where you work um, has to match what you're putting out into the universe. Y'all, in today's episode, I am speaking with the Chief Marketing Officer at Kate Spade, trying not to pee my pants as I talk to Mary Renner Beach. You are not going to want to miss this conversation about the power of branding and how to move up in your current company. Check it out. I am the Executive Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer at Kate Spade & Company. Um, so I oversee marketing for both the Kate Spade New York and the Jack Spade brands. Um, I've been enrolled for four years. Um, doing doing the chief marketing officer role. And I came to Kate Spade most recently from the Walt Disney Company, where I worked for 13 years in a variety of roles. I started in primarily in licensing, um, which I also run today at Kate Spade, New York. It is a wonderful opportunity to learn about sales and about branding and about uh, product extensions. So I did that had the opportunity to launch the Disney princess brand. So today it feels like a mainstay, but uh, for every kind of two to six year old girl. But when I got there, it, it didn't exist. Um, and so we launched the Disney princess brand. And that was uh, one of the most fun things I did at the Walt Disney Company. Um, and then prior to that, I started my career in fashion. So I started at Ann Taylor, and then went to Ralph Lauren, both in marketing, traditional marketing roles, and really started kind of my love of marketing there. And I'm a brand person, not a fashion mm -hmm. person. So mm -hmm. I think that fashion companies do superb marketing, which is why I've spent time at three of them. Mm -hmm. um, but really, I love telling stories and I love great brands. I think um, it's so funny that you say that because uh, Kate Spade is always my example of incredible branding. When mm. I, um, I, I speak often at conferences and one of the classes I teach is on how to brand a small business and they're mm. always my best example because oh, I really don't think anybody does it better. I oh, think everything you. down to the little box that your jewelry comes in, yes. um, the bag, the, the way that you feel when you walk into a store, it just all is so incredible and feels so cohesive. So I am... Um, I'm not just saying this because I'm talking <laughs> I'm one of the biggest Kate Spade fans on the planet. I'm tickled pink to hear all the things. Oh, um, excellent. Thank you. You're, oh my gosh, you're so welcome. For someone, I, I think that a lot of our listeners are women who are either working inside of bigger businesses or they're women who own small businesses themselves. So is there, this is such a big, grandiose question, but how would you describe how would you explain marketing and the value of it to a small business owner? I, I think on a, sure. on a grander scale, we understand why this is important to someone like Kate Spade or Ralph Lauren. Uh, but if you are, you know, if you have an Etsy shop, tell me the value in marketing and what it means for her. One of the things that I always try to keep my uh, team aware of, and I try to stay aware of is that we have more content, more information being thrown at us today in any one minute than um, we could pretty much consume in our lifetime. There is so much happening. Um, and then on top of that, the average attention span is now on par with that of a goldfish. So we've yes. lost our attention span. We have so much content coming at us. The importance of marketing is telling your story. It's yes. giving consumers a reason to care. There mm -hmm. is so many choices for them. And the choice isn't just, you know, should I buy um, that macrame plant, plant holder or not? The choice is, should I even spend time looking for that? Or should I spend my time doing any number of other things that are there and out there competing for my attention? Um, mm -hmm. So you really have to tell your story. And people want to shop someplace 
experience something, spend time with something um, that they care about. So you have to give people a reason to care. You've had such a long history in marketing, and I can't imagine um, very few things that have evolved so much mm. over the course of the last couple of decades as this space, as how we speak to a consumer, what is in our feed, how social media has completely changed the game. How have you watched it evolve in your own world, and what are things, this is like 17 questions in one, right. <laughs> I'm way too excited, clearly, uh, but, but what are things that you guys are doing you know, in 2017 and beyond to to um, fight against all the noise that you were just speaking about. I think everything that's evolved in marketing is so incredibly exciting because mm. it it gives you so many more opportunities to be in touch with the customer. Um, you know, I, I just came to speaking to an gr internal group and was reminding everybody that every single thing we do every single day um, is either making a positive impact on a customer or a negative impact on a customer or just mm -hmm. as badly, uh, a neutral impact on a customer. So there really are tremendous opportunities to engage with her or him, depending on what you're marketing. And I think the changes, you know, you really just have to look at your own life. And so often marketers are thinking about their industry or thinking about this amorphous customer um, who takes on a bunch of stats and figures. Just look at your own life. You spend most of your life attached to your phone. Yep. And so if all of a sudden you're sitting in a meeting and reviewing marketing and it's not being shown to you on your phone, then you know you've just missed out <laughs> first and for foremost. Because yeah. it used to be I would get presented everything as a two-page spread. Nothing gets shown to me as a two-page spread anymore. Everything mm -hmm. gets shown to me on my phone because it's the way the customer is looking at it. Yes. Um, if you're realizing in your life that you never look at anything with the sound on, no one looks at anything with the sound on. Mm. Um, everybody looks at everything with the sound off. Nobody looks at it for more than 30 seconds. It's really just about staying in touch with how real people live. They don't take your great commercial or your spot or your Instagram post and project it up onto a television. Um, yes. They absolutely act and behave just the way that you know, you and I do. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a conversation you're having with her and you're able to have that conversation in such a direct way. When, when a social media post comes through, I always try to remember and remind my team, you know, our, our ad effectively, our Instagram post may follow the announcement of a best friend's birth that may follow um, a cute picture of your boyfriend's dog. It's right in there in the direct mix with people's real lives. And that is an enormous privilege that you need to bear in mind in everything that we do. But the ability to have that direct conversation, now there's chatbots coming through, things like Facebook messaging, where mm -hmm. we're going to be able to have direct conversations with consumers um, right where they're corresponding with their aunt or their sister or their husband. Um, yes. And being able to be both using that to our brand advantage, but also incredibly respectful of the privilege that that is to be so close to the customer so frequently. Absolutely. How important is email marketing for you guys? And I asked that question because 10 years ago, it was all that mattered. And then it sort of became this antiquated thing that nobody really cared about. And now, at least for us, we find that it's one of the most valuable ways that we can reach our audience because we're not fighting for space in their feed. We're actually getting direct access to their inbox. So I'm curious what a company as large as yours thinks about email marketing. It definitely went through an up and down, but I would say it's back on a high point. Email, when done correctly, um, can mm -hmm. be incredibly powerful. And the way to do it correctly is make sure you're not overloading um, your customers. Make sure the messages are very clear and something she wants to hear. And more and more personalized. Uh, you know, yes. We have the ability now through data to be able to send her something that she's actually going to care about because we're either anticipating a need or responding to something she's told us she's interested in. Mm -hmm. And the more 
intelligent we can be about every communication we send her, we know that we'll get a response. We also love direct mail. Direct mail went through a definite downturn. But so few of us get mail these days. It's anything Mm -hmm. exciting. And so we find direct mail with our best customers. Um, Being able to be in her actual mailbox with something that brings her a little bit of joy is also very powerful. That's so real because it is. It's like bills and random things. And when I get, there are a handful of brands that I really care about. And when I actually see them, I am going to go look and, you know, use the discount code or do whatever it's asking me to. So that's a great point. So I would love to hear a little bit about uh, company culture as a whole. And I know that you manage a pretty big team of people, Mm -hmm. how you create um, culture specific to your team and why it feels important to do that. I believe strongly that the insides of your brand have to match the outside. So whatever your company stands for, your culture in the building or the room or the um, you know garage where you work um, has to match what you're putting out into the universe. A few brands are successful for a short period of time with having those two things being um, out of whack, but not mm-hmm. in the long term. Mm-hmm. So at Kate Spade, some of our core values are being smart and confident and joyful and unique and fun. We can't be a very quiet, boring, very, you know, in, overly intense place. We have to be a place that's overall give when you leave the office is happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what you'll find. And it's a very, very important part. People do their best work in a place that's positive, in a place that's reassuring, in a place that inspires them and provides them with vision. They don't operate in their best under fear um, or in place when they're unhappy. So we spend a lot of time making sure that we're communicating with people, that they're clear on what the vision is, and that they're having a good time. I mean, our brand promise is to inspire women to lead a more interesting life. Um, Mm -hmm. If I have a bunch of people here who work, you know, 18-hour days and are miserable, they're not going to be able to put that messaging out into the world. Um, So we have things like year-round half-day Fridays because we want people to have an interesting life. And if they're always here, they're definitely not taking advantage of New York or New Jersey or wherever they might be living to work with us. We have a sabbatical program at Kate Spade, New York, so that people can go off and pursue something that's very interesting. We have a lot of cupcakes. We have a lot of (laughs) um, baby showers. We're 85% women, so there's a lot of baby showers and wedding showers and birthday celebrations. We just have fun during the day. We're not curing cancer. Um, We're making handbags. And so we try to bear that in mind and really make sure that Again, our insides match our outsides. I love that. Uh, I love like just cupcakes as a company culture is a great plan, I think. Um, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) So I have read an article where you've talked about the importance of prioritization and um, loving to get the feedback from your team and have all of these ideas, but how do you say no in a way that will still foster that creativity without hurting someone's heart that you've just had to shut them down? It's, it's always a struggle. We Any idea is a good idea at Kate Spade, New York. There's no hierarchy here. There are no politics here. Um, you want everybody to feel free to come and share with you a great idea. So I think the first thing to avoid getting to that point is to really make sure that everybody is clear on your vision and on the priorities. Because oftentimes you get the left field ideas when people are wandering off and are unsure what they're supposed to be focused on. Um, I find that when everybody's clear on where we're headed, the ideas I get are directly related to that. But the other important thing is I was a theater major in college and we used to play a game called Yes And. You were never allowed to say no. You could only say yes and. And I employ that every single day at work. It's like, yes, that is an amazing idea. That is so great. And I think that might work for something we have here or we have this going on right now. So how is 
could you rethink about it in a way that can plus this idea over here? And you just, you're gently gearing them towards a place where they can focus their energy. Um, now, if it's a totally off-brand idea, I use that as an opportunity to explain, yes, that that's a great idea for a brand that's perhaps this, this, and this. At Kate Spade, New York, I need you to think about it a little bit more like this. So I always try to just use it as an opportunity to say yes and, and gear them towards a way that they could plus something we already have going on or mm -hmm. refocus their energies on someplace that they're needed. Is there working in fashion, um, this feels obvious, but this is maybe because I live in LA and I'm fantasizing about what your life is like <laughs> there, um, but how important is personal style when you're working in fashion? You know, I think we were just having a conversation about, um, I sat at a dinner one night and someone said to me that getting dressed each morning is the one creative decision that every single person on the planet makes each day. Mm. And it is true that how we dress, regardless of what field we work in, does make an impression in the world, whatever that is, good, bad, otherwise. So I think it's important, no matter what you're doing, to put out, you know, a little bit about who you are. It certainly mm -hmm. isn't the only thing that people should judge us on, but it's often one of the first things that you would see. Again, as I mentioned earlier, I'm not a fashion person. I have a very classic style of dressing, but I do like to present in a confident way. I like to show mm -hmm. up um, in a way that makes it clear that I'm a leader within the organization, that I have confidence in myself. Um, I believe feminine is incredibly, being feminine is incredibly powerful, and so I don't shy away from that at all, especially mm. not at Kate Spade, New York. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you also have to be very comfortable. I mean, I worked uh, when I worked at Ralph Lauren way back in the 90s, they would rig you. They would kind of put together outfits for you to wear. Um, really? And I remember the first time that I was rigged and I had all these little Polaroid pictures of what I should be dressing. The they didn't know me very well. Um, and I ended up with an outfit that had a ton of accessories, just a scarf, um, a bunch of bracelets, um, a jacket. And Every time I wore it, I was so um, confused and sort of discombobulated by what was going on <laughs> with myself physically that I couldn't be my best self. And so making sure that you're dressing to uh, give yourself the advantage, especially in an important meeting, make sure you're wearing something that's going to allow you to be confident. One of the things I love about Kate Spade is that I know when I wear a Kate Spade dress that Deborah's our chief creative officer, that she always puts that hook in the dress that hooks in your bra strap. Yes. Because there's nothing worse so than standing key. up in front of a group of people and you feel it creeping down your Thank arm. you. Um, she is never going to cut so that you have a muffin top. She is always yeah. going to make sure that whatever cut she has, and you know that you're going to stand up after sitting down for a while and not be covered in your front and wrinkles. Those are important things to think Absolutely. about because, you know, our clothing gives us confidence in some ways and we need to feel confident in what we're doing. Absolutely. How does your marketing change up if you're marketing to women versus men? Mm -hmm. Or that just made me think perhaps the marketing for Jack is to the women who are buying for the men. How do you, how do you decide to, to change it on sure. two different brands? It, it is, thankfully, both Jack and Kate share a lot of similarities in tour in terms of the um, girl and guy's approach to the world. They are definitely optimistic, glass half full people. They are optimistic, but not perfect. Um, there mm -hmm. definitely isn't a perfection there. They know their own, you know, own mistakes, their own areas of opportunity, and they fully embrace those. They are people in progress. And so that aspect, we market to both as mindsets, not demographics. So I'm not spending all day thinking about a guy who's 25 to 34 years old or a woman who's 25 to 34 years old. I'm thinking about these fully formed characters that we've created of Jack Spade and Kate Spade. Mm -hmm. um, so in that way, they're very similar. It's just a slightly different story that you're telling um, and a slightly different product, obviously, that you're working with. 
but in terms of the type of information that you want to know. Um, over the past year, we worked very hard for a long time. Jack Spade, he was kind of like the, the kid brother. And he was the, mm. the kid brother that maybe has to sit at the kids' table during Thanksgiving, even though he's like 27 years old. Um, so <laughs> we, we have upgraded him to her best friend, her spouse, her partner, however you want to view it. So he has really come a long way in terms of sophistication and approach. But we take the same thing. We give our customer and our, our this character of the Kate Spade girl and the Jack Spade guy huge amount of respect. Everything we do comes from a place of respect, admiration, just so impressed with who these people are and who they're becoming. Um, and that, that informs everything that we do. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees, period. Yep, that means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Hey guys, we'll be back in a hot minute with more of this interview, but now a quick word from a sponsor. Want to listen to an audiobook that'll make you feel better about your crappy job? Party Girl takes listeners on an adventure among Hollywood's most beautiful and most outrageous people, revealing the ugly side of Hollywood's prettiest parties. The entire Girl series is now available on Audible, and it's read and written by me. <laughs> Discover the world of Audible Originals today at audible.com. If you could go back in time, mm-hmm. uh, and this is this is such a big question, but is there something that you would tell yourself when you were first starting in your career? Something you might have done different or something not to worry about, something you obsessed over that you didn't need to, thinking specifically to those young women who are coming up, um, who are going to try and follow in similar footsteps, what might be the advice that you would give? Sure. I like to think that the this particular challenge doesn't face people as much, but perhaps it does. I was very focused for a long time in my career on um, having a work self and a personal self. I mm. felt that it was very important. You know, I, I ended up doing being very successful at a young age. I looked young. So I thought it was very important to show up as this kind of one-sided, career-only, focused person, and that that was the way I would be taken seriously. Um, mm. What I've learned over the past probably 10, 12 years is the most important thing is to come to work with your whole self. And that means both your personal life, 
um, your your professional life. They're one thing. We don't actually mm-hmm. exist in, in two different ways. And actually, our, our personal life, our interests, um, what brings us passion informs what they do. They make me a better marketer. Um, yes. And hiding that side is very dull, first of all, for you. It's very stressful for you. And it doesn't allow you to be the best at marketing, in my case, or at leadership. Um, Mm. None of your employees come to work and are able to completely distance themselves from what just happened at home or what is happening in their lives or the wonderful things that are happening. And we need to celebrate that. And so I wish I had not felt so strongly that I had to divorce these two things because I um, I think it was doable um, before I was married and before I had kids, but once I was married and had children, it became, you know, a very difficult balancing act to be these two entirely different people. And now that I'm one whole person that shows up each day at work, and as a wife, as a mother, as an executive, as you know, a marathon runner, as someone who loves to bake, all these aspects of myself are part of what I do here at work, um, and I embrace all the aspects that my employees come to work with and know those things about them, which makes me better able to you know, motivate them, better able to identify with them, empathize with them, and have us all together do our best work. That's awesome. When you were at Disney, were you here in LA? Yes, yes. And so did you then have to make a big move to New York for this job? Yes, we had been in, I had been in New York for Ann Taylor and Ralph Lauren and then moved um, to LA, honestly, for my husband, he went to grad school there. and, and. I can't say that that decision was one that I was necessarily fully um, present for. I think I had just gotten <laughs> married. He wanted to go to grad school. I was like, great, like, okay. Three years. Um, I woke up, you know, four years later, had a kid and uh, owned a house and had a career. So that's that one sort of happened to me. But this was definitely a major decision. I loved. I mean, Disney is is one of the greatest companies in the world, um, and mm-hmm. a wonderful place to work, and had given me enormous opportunities. And then this great chance came along. It was a great chance to be a chief marketing officer. It was a wonderful opportunity to work for the CEO of Kate Spade was my boss at Ralph Lauren, ironically. Um, And so, and I'd always been one of my favorite bosses. So it gave me a chance. And just for your listeners, he was so important to me back at Ralph Lauren. He was at my wedding, but then I left. He went on to other things. He was not and still is not on social media. So I lost complete touch with him for 13 years. And then he resurfaced to um, recruit me for this job as chief marketing officer. So do not burn bridges. You never know. know, I actually, I just made that note. I was going to follow up that question with it's such great advice for people. You never know when you do not know out of nowhere. It was opportunity to work for him again. And for a brand I loved, I had been a Kate Spade customer for probably 15, 20 years each year buying a handbag. Mm -hmm. And so those things presented themselves. My husband and I had gotten to this point where we realized that we had become very comfortable in our lives Mm -hmm. and we wanted to shake things up. Our girls were in first and third grade and we thought, wow, we've we've given them an amazing life. But the chance to have some of their childhood take place in New York and be surrounded by all of that, it was all just too good to pass up. So we took the leap completely worried about the children, of course, but actually we should have been worried about ourselves. Children are very adaptable. Adults, (laughs) we have a tougher time. Yes. But it was amazing. I, you know, have nothing but positivity to say about it and encourage everybody to take informed leaps. I mean, it certainly was not a crazy leap, um, given that I, I knew the brand, I believed in myself for the role, and then I knew the, the person I'd be re- reporting to. So that really let me make the best decision. How important do you think moving to different companies has been in your rise in your career? 
I think very. I think working on different industries as well has given me a well-roundedness. I mean, Walt Disney Company, are they're the best storytellers in the universe. So I am still in a storytelling job, even though it's Mm. in fashion. And the ability for fashion is a form of entertainment today. I think a lot of fashion videos and fashion entertainment are becoming what the music videos were maybe 20 years ago. Mm. Um, And so there's a lot of uh, similarities there. I would also say, however, that, you know, I was nervous when I came to Kate Spade that 13 years at Disney had been too long. Mm. But the important thing to remember is even if you're at the same company, change jobs. Um, Take a job in a new division. Take a job doing something different. At one point, I had been in marketing and I made the leap to run a business in licensing. I ran toys and then I ran um, all of animation licensing to take on P&L responsibility. And I raised my hand for those things because even though I was at the same company, I wanted to try different jobs. And I think you can't just expect to be promoted within role. You have to be willing to take a leap and try something new um, and have the confidence to go, I can figure this out. It's so interesting because the people that I know within um, within other larger companies that have had the most career success are the people that did exactly what you just described. Yeah. They raised their hand, they looked at their resume, they figured out what they needed to do. Like, gosh, if I want to yeah. be CEO someday, I've got to have experience in finance, even if that sounds terrible to me mm-hmm. or whatever it was. And they kept just sort of pushing themselves onto the next thing. Um, a, a lot of times I'm, I'm shocked at people who have stayed in the same job and every year kind of cross their fingers and hope that they're going to get a promotion. If you can't find it in the space that you're in, you need to look outside. Nobody's going to be, oh, sorry. No, no, I was just going to be responsible for your career except for you. That I say that all the time to people. People wait for human resources to tell them what's next. Human resources will never do that. Um, And in my, you know, 20 odd year career, um, there's only one time that I haven't raised my hand for a promotion. And it doesn't always mean that the promotion or the next job I got was the one I raised my hand for. But the Mm -hmm. fact that you came and said, I'm ready for that thing over there or this thing that's next over here. And then someone comes back to you and says, actually, we think you're ready for this. It's still raising your hand. Here at Kate, I was promoted from SVP to EVP. And that was the only time I've ever been surprised by a promotion Mm -hmm. because I hadn't raised my hand. Other than that, Every single time I have been out there saying, um, I am ready for the next, um, whether that and wherever you need me most, I've identified this place. um, But, you know, I'm putting that out to you. And it has always worked out. But I've always had to do that. HR thinks about you when you have reviews and when it's time for merit. Um, (laughs) You think about you every single day. day. Um, So it's better to be the um, architect of your career versus letting someone else do it. I feel like it's also worth saying um, my husband has had incredible success in his career and a big reason he was the king of raising his hand and asking for the next thing. But he was also the king and still is the king of like, what's that random crazy thing that nobody wants to do, particularly when he was earlier in his career, that he would just go, I mean, uh, he works for Disney as well. So it was like, we need someone to move to Minnesota and work on the Best Buy account. And Dave was like, yep, I will do that. And then we need someone to come back here and run this thing that nobody wants to run, but it's it's something that would raise him him up in his um, career. So I just think... Being willing, especially when you're earlier on, and I think that this is something a lot of young women coming out of college kind of struggle with, is the idea that they're going to walk into, you know, the VP position that pays $200,000 a year, when the reality is if you want to get there, you're going to have to hustle, and you're going to have to maybe take on some stuff that wouldn't be your first choice, but is a great stepping stone to somewhere else. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
In, uh, in your career, is there a book, if you had to choose one, that you feel like really was motivational, inspiring, the thing that you would recommend to everybody? Has there been something like that for you? The book that I have used consistently throughout my career for the last probably 15 years is a book called The First 90 Days. Um, and it it has a turquoise cover with a yellow sticky note on it. And it is about how to start a new job. And I have used it when I have been given a promotion within role, when I've moved on to a new role within the same company, whether I've taken a, a new, new role at Kate Spade. It outlines how to approach the new job, how to diagnose the situation you're walking into, the conversations you need to have in the first 30, 60, and 90 days, how to draw themes and conclusions, how to determine what your boss wants, your employees want, your peers want. And what it has done is, as a type A overachiever, um, my tendency is to walk into a new situation and immediately start giving direction. But mm -hmm. you really have to start listening with listening. Yes. And at the same time, you have to move quickly. So you don't get six months to prove yourself in a new job. You really get 90 days. And the book outlines that and really helps you decide, am I walking into a maintained success? Am I walking into a turnaround situation? Am I walking into a startup situation? Mm. Um, and in any job, it can be one of those three things. And then I don't, I can't say that I've ever gotten through the entire book in terms of knowing, doing every single thing it says, because life, you know, takes over, but it really helps you slow down and take the best approach to starting a new job. It also has a fun section that I do every time about promoting yourself. And that's the weekend mm -hmm. before you take a new job, really making sure that you do something to mark that when you walk back into the office especially if you're in the same building or when you go to the new building that you have acknowledged that you are now, you're no longer a manager. You're now a senior manager. Yes. Um, and it suggests going out to dinner and like toasting yourself. I do that, but I also um, have decided it means go to the spa and do a full spa day. Nice. Um, do, you know, have a, have a salt scrub, rub off that old job. Yes. Reemerge as whatever the new role is that you're going to enter. My husband says, I'll use any excuse for a spa day. And so that is my, my way of translating, but it's been a really helpful book for me and every job that I've moved to. That's so great. Is there, um, what is the things that you're doing at this place in your career? Are you still reading? Are you listening to podcasts? What are you doing to continue to grow in your knowledge and um, in within your industry? I'm a constant reader. I read pretty much every magazine that go, comes out. I, I also love books and yeah. I'm constantly picking books up at the bookstore. I don't always get into, you know, through the whole book, but I'll read, you know, the first two thirds uh, frequently. Yeah. So I just, I love that. And constantly reading, just keeping up with the news as well, which is exhausting, but I yes. try not to obsess too much over it. <laughs> yes. I have to ask, since you're talking about um, reading and you mentioned doing marathons, have you read Shoe Dog? I haven't read Shoe Dog oh, yet. No. My uh oh my gosh. I'm, is this it good? is my new thing I'm going to tell everybody. So Shoe Dog is written by Phil Knight. I mean, yes. allegedly it's written by Phil Knight, but I think it actually might be. Um, it is the most beautiful, incredible story about building Nike, uh, but he is a runner. And so oh. everything that he's doing throughout building this um, incredible company always goes back to running and what it meant to him. And it's so beautifully written. I've never read a business book like this in my whole life. And wow. it is my new favorite. I'm a massive reader and I've, oh my gosh, you have, you have to get it. It's so, so good. I am reading the one I'm reading right now that I 
love, I just started it this weekend, is Start With Why, how great leaders inspire everyone to take action. I just just picked it up and started that. And so, you know, again, there's so many leadership books out there. Um, It can almost be exhausting. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think, again, get recommendations from friends um, and pick. But I'll have to pick up Shoe Dog. I would love, I actually love reading books about running. So that would be a great one. Well, I had no idea the history of the company or who he had partnered with that made it what it was. It's just, it's incredible because it's a decade of him barely surviving. Um, wow. I think, I, I, incidentally, I was listening to a podcast and okay. they were talking about building this company and it was the same type of idea. Like for years and years, so many of these founders were barely scraping by and were just investing back into the company that they had. And I'm so inspired by those stories. That's so, great. Yeah, definitely check it out. So we ask everybody the same five questions. So I'm going to ask you those same five questions because it's just the stuff that I wonder about other women who work. Uh, What time do you get up in the morning? 6 a.m. Okay. And what, what does your normal morning routine look like? Um, well, I should I should qualify. It's 6 a.m. if I'm not training for a marathon. It's 5 a.m. if I am. Yes. Um, but um, if I'm training for a marathon, I'll run for an hour at five. I'm not. Tra- I start training in May this year, so I'm on a normal um, normal routine. I get up at six. The very first thing I do, um, for better or for worse, is check social media, see what's going on in the news. <laughs> yes. And I don't look at work email first thing in the morning, but I will check social media, see what's going on. I get my kids up and uh, make breakfast. We do a hot breakfast every morning and get myself dressed. I take my kids to school. I get to take the subway. So they ride the subway with me. I get off, take them into school and then go on my way. Um, And I'm in in the office by about 8.15. That's awesome. I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing. And I think if you're a parent like me, you understand how important it is to have a kitchen available to you when you have four kids, which is why Airbnb is always the place that I head to just make the vacation easier. And I have always used Airbnb as a place to stay, whether it was for work or family or a girl's weekend. But more and more, my friends are using Airbnb in a totally different way as a business, as a way to invest in property and earn money for it. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some extra money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash hosting. Almost every morning of my life, I have oatmeal. Seriously, during the winter, having something hot in the morning really makes a big difference in my day. Quaker has been a trusted name in oatmeal for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, or ballpoint pens. Quaker has something for everyone whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, the good stuff remains the same. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. 
It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas. Register today at thisisils.org. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I love, I think that women who do not live in New York are fascinated by mothers in New York and just how you, I'm like, you don't have a minivan. Like, oh my goodness, nope. what if you're on the subway. We, that's incredible. We walked the subway together and then they're actually in fifth and seventh grade now. And so as soon as my, when my fifth grader goes into sixth grade, I actually will just ride the subway and they will get off and go to school by themselves, yeah. which will be amazing. Wow. <laughs> um, what is your typical, are you a coffee drinker? And if you are getting coffee, what's your order? I am a decaf tea drinker. I gave up caffeine last June. Um, so I've been caffeine free for a while That's and I drink, awesome. I know I drink a peppermint tea every morning. As someone who's obsessed with caffeine, I totally recognize why that would be such the right choice for my life, but I'm afraid to, I'm afraid to, <laughs> you know, I never away. liked, I never liked coffee. Um, oh, I, would, okay. I mean, I love coffee ice cream, but I've never liked the taste of coffee, but mm. I was a six or seven tea a day drinker and decided this summer that, uh, it was time to give up the caffeine. And so I still drink a lot of, it is amazing though, psychologically, I still need to have a cup of tea um, yes. very early in the morning. Uh, do you travel often for work? And if so, what is the one thing that you're like, this is the key to my traveling with ease or style? Sure. I um, do travel a lot for work. And the one thing that key is key for me is an enormous cashmere scarf. I am always cold yes. on planes. And this scarf looks great, makes any ash, uh, outfit, including wearing you know yoga pants, look a little bit more fashionable. But at the same time, it becomes like a giant blanket when I need it to. Um, and lastly, my mother has always taught me, she truly believes you get better customer service if you're wearing lipstick. I have no idea if that's true, um, but I always <laughs> make sure to have lipstick with me and wear it on any flight. I love that <laughs> rule. I think it should be something that we just pass out into the universe. My exactly. mother always said a, a woman isn't dressed without her lipstick or, and her earrings. So okay. I think we might've had a similar mom. Yes, exactly. Um, I, I have to say, so my, I've said this before, one of mine is I always travel with um, earbuds or headphones. And I feel like we have to call out the fact that y'all have earbuds now that are as pretty as your studs. So cute, right? Holy smokes. I screamed when yes. I saw those. They're so darling. They're, they're so very it, cute. I actually have uh, several pairs. Yeah. I feel like if, if listeners, if you guys haven't seen, please go check them out. They're, they're the fashion accessory that we all need. And I feel like they're perfect, perfect for travel. Um, that was my shameless plug, but it was totally nope, real you. because they're the cutest. What, I mean, I'm going to guess based on you've talked about running, but what is your favorite um, workout and how often do you do it? 
Um, so I do. I'm a late in life runner. I started um, running five years ago and I was, I was running away from 40. It caught me anyway. Um, <laughs> but I started running. I, my husband kindly says that if I can run, anyone can, because uh, I really was not someone who had ever run a block, let alone um, mm-hmm. a marathon. Um, but I'm achievement oriented. So as soon as I started running, I began um, running half marathons and now run a marathon every year. Um, I run four to five times a week, both in the evenings um, and in the morning. And my my main distance when I'm not training is, is anywhere from four to five miles. I, mm-hmm. I don't need to go far to, to make an impact. Um, and it is the only time that my brain stops working. Yes, so it too. is what allows me to just have something to focus on other yes. than my brain constantly going. Um, I also love yoga and I have, I've had periods in my life where I've had the same experience with yoga, but at the moment it is all about running. Yeah, I, I am a very similar story to you. My husband ran a half marathon when I was about eight months pregnant, mm. and I hated running with a passion, but based on like PE in second right, grade. Sure. Um, but then when he ran it, because I am competitive, I was like, mm-hmm. well, dang it, if he can run a half, then I can. And that started my love of long distance yeah. running. So. A half is a great, yes. I encourage all women to try a half at some point. It's a totally great distance. Agree. Um, I encourage all women to try, and I'm not just saying this because you worked at Disney. Um, Disney half marathons are one of the most magical things you could do absolutely. For your life. And I'm not. I did the Disney so Princess special. half with yes. a girlfriend, um, and it which was has a to great be incredible experience. since you had so much um, such oh, a I hand lo- in them becoming. Oh my gosh, how I oh, love them. That's awesome. So yes, yeah, so we highly encourage everyone to start running. It's an incredible, it's an incredible um, workout. It also costs you zero money. Just go that's outside, and you can't. Jogging. And there are no excuses. Yes. There's no classes that are too full. I actually just two weeks ago bought a treadmill um, because running in winter in New York yes. is the pits. Yeah. Um, yes. But other than that, uh, I you just put on your shoes and you need a street and that's about it. And you can do yeah. it in any city, and it's a great way to get to know cities. To when see you're traveling. the city, I totally mm-hmm. agree. So. This podcast is called Deus, uh, the idea being that the Deus is a platform from which you speak on. And I ask every single guest if there is one thing that you could tell women that you see happening in the world or specifically in business that you wish you could just sort of shake their shoulders and tell them like, oh, you are missing this or you are focusing on the wrong things. Is there one area, like what is your, I call it like a soapbox, like what's the one thing you would tell women like, you gotta, you've gotta do better at this? I guess my soapbox is around is around prioritization. And I, I've mm-hmm. spoken about this before. So often I see women putting their their jobs before their their families and their mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is not going to pay you back in the long term, either mm-hmm. as an executive or as obviously a, a, a wife or a partner or a mother. And as an executive, we want fully rounded, happy, um, people who can bring their whole selves to the office each day, not people who um, are are unhappy and stressed and tense. So you have to show up and, and share what it is that you're passionate about and prioritize the right things. Um, and the other thing I'm so passionate about is that, um, you know, they say on the airplane, put on your own put on your own uh, oxygen mask oxygen first mask, before yeah. having your kids. I think when, when I see women have kids, their kids become number one and their job becomes number two and their partner becomes number like 14 after maybe, you know, repainting yes. the front hall. Um, yes. And then, the, and then their, 
their own life, their selves, their health, and their, isn't even uh, on the fitness, list. Isn't even on the list. Yes. Um, I am always very careful to say when I speak at meetings and I get introduced, especially to young people, that I am a wife first and I am a mother second and I am mm. an executive third. And that is the their prioritization infers a list. It doesn't infer six priorities. It infers a mm. one, two, three, four, five. And you have to know that. And that for me, it is incredibly important that I have a ha- happy, healthy, stable relationship um, so that I can, you know, have a, a happy, healthy, stable children. And that, yeah. that, you know, that my work is very important as well, but it is after those two things. And then this myself goes around the whole thing. I can't, I cannot deliver on being a great wife, a great mother, or a great executive unless I myself am happy, content, well. Um, And that's so critical. And so it's really just making sure people give themselves that time. There are no awards in life for coming back to work after, you know, eight weeks if you're not ready. There's no awards in life for, you know, staying to the office till 9 p.m. Or there's no awards for missing something. If that's what being is missing your kid's recital or not showing up for an important dinner that your spouse is having or your partner's having, if those are things that your job is requiring of you, then you should really rethink about it. Um, If you're not getting the things that you want from your company, fight for it. We introduced a transition back to work program this year so that that women could have, they could come back from their maternity leave and have um, one week, uh, two weeks with one day a week at work, another two weeks with two days a week at work, just transitioning Mm -hmm. back into the workplace. And we fought for that as women at this company. I had not, you know, I was done having kids and had been for a while, but I was a huge advocate of the program because I want women to come back here, be able to handle the new responsibility in their lives and be able to return and be as productive as possible and as happy as they could at home. And so fight for what you think your company needs to do, both for yourself and for the women that you're around there and fight for what you need for yourself. Amen. Dang it. I love, I, I mean, drop, drop the mic. Like literally you said <laughs> <laughs> just everything. Not a phrase that's used about oh, me very often. I mean, <laughs> my girl crush knows no bounds. Um, thank you so much for taking time out of what I'm sure is a very hectic schedule to talk to us. I know that the women listening are going to be so inspired in so many ways. And I really, thank um, you I really for doing appreciate this. your time. Hey guys, if you like this episode, I hope you will consider subscribing to the Deus podcast on iTunes, sharing it with your friends and showing some love on social media for a newbie show like mine. Those reviews are everything. Thanks to our producer, Allison Cohen, our sound engineer, Jack Noble, and our sound editor, Andrew Weller. To stay in touch with all things Deus, you can check out thechicsite.com or follow me on social media. I am Ms. Rachel Hollis on every single platform. Most importantly, I hope you heard something today that inspires you. I'll see you next week. It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas. Register today at thisisils.org.